Welcome to Because. I'm Mark Zyla. This is the second episode in our series of Quad City Symphony Orchestra colleagues, Principal Bassoon Benjamin Quelio. I know I say this every episode, but you're really going to love this one because I think there's probably more laughing in this episode than there is storytelling. No, not really, but Ben's story is amazing. And this is just a part one. So enjoy uh, the first half of Benjamin Quelio's Because Story. Thank you so much for coming in today to talk to me, especially today, because we just got done playing Symphony Day, which was like three concerts for 6,500 plus kids. How do you feel after that? Wow, I feel a lot of joy, Mark. Yeah. You, see, you see, I sit right in front of you in the orchestra, <laughs> and I don't stop moving and enjoying myself the entire time. Right. You know, I even play the whistle, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> during the Cidade Maravilhosa, mm-hmm. which is... You know, as you know, I'm, I'm from Brazil, but mm-hmm. your audience might not know. I'm originally from Brazil. And uh, when I hear music like that, it really hits me hard with mm-hmm. homesick. Takes you home. It takes me home. Uh, usually Brazilian music, especially Brazilian pop music, does that to me. Mm-hmm. It, it really makes me longing for my culture mm-hmm. that I, I, I try to have it here. I try to to bring some Brazilianness to, to my life here. Right. And, but so, but sometimes people don't take me that serious because I am like being a little bit a buffoon. No, I play the bassoon and I am the buffoon. Right. <laughs> well, that's a good setup. So um, tell us about Brazil. Paint a picture of what your hometown is like and, and what your early life was like. Sure. Well, I, I come from what in Brazil, what we say small town. It's not as a small town as American small towns. Mm-hmm. See, Brazil, uh, like my town when I was growing up, had forty to 50,000 people. And okay. I, I don't think that is considered around Iowa that small of a right. town. That's like 500 people as a small, small right, town. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, but what does it mean when you say it's a small town in the interior of the state of Sao Paulo? See, I'm from the state of Sao Paulo mm-hmm. in a city that it has over 21 million people. Right. So that's not a small town. Right, right. You know, uh, <laughs> but my t- town is small in the, in the Brazilian standard. But it's also small in the fact that resources, especially cultural resources, are not as readily available. Right. See, when I was growing up uh, last century, uh, <laughs> uh, there was two movie theaters in town. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I was leaving high school, there were none. Wow. So they closed down because the way in the late 70s, early 80s, the movies became almost absolutely with the, you know, the, the so-called the video cassette and all those right. the, the movies at home. Right, right. Uh, so people started doing more of that. And in those towns, they, the, the, the theaters, the movie theaters, they had to close down. Wow. So, so that's how small the city is. But in mm-hmm. that city, just happens to have one of the most amazing music conservatories probably in Latin America. Wow. And, and I say that with a big mouthful because my father 
was a director of that conservatory. My father basically created that conservatory. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I might tell you a little bit of this, that story because I think it's very important for where, where I come from. Absolutely. Um, my father was the first boy after four girls in a farmer's home. Okay. And there's a big, uh, between my, uh, my father and then his next sister, they're several years apart. Uh-huh. And, uh, but my father was the first one male in a farm family, mm-hmm. a family of farmers. And, and that was a huge thing right. for my grandfather, mm-hmm. who I'm named after. Okay. You know, uh, Benjamin Antonio Coelho mm-hmm. is my grandfather, and I am Benjamin Antonio Coelho Neto. Which oh. means grandson, like junior for if you're. Oh, that's son. cool. Yeah, very cool. And uh, and my father, you know, it was like the one that was going to continue the, the life of the of the farm. Mm-hmm. But my father, in even at a very early age, he was very much interested in going to school. Right. So even as a kid, eight year old, my my grandparents, his parents, lived in the farm, but they had a house in town. And, and and then they put him in school, and then he got really sick. I don't remember exactly what, what, what kind of sick, sickness he got, but then he, so the family took him back to the farm, and right. then he was in the farm for like two years, mm-hmm. n- not, not going to school. Right. But then he said, you know, I want to go back to school. You know, he's like 10, 11 years right. old. I don't, I, I don't remember the story and exactly. Was there something he was particularly interested in school, or was it just like general education? Just and... general education, mm-hmm. get to an education. He, he, right. I think he got sick. He was like in second grade. Okay. So then he missed like third, fourth grade. Right. Uh, and he went to go back. And right. then um, he they said, okay, let's Go back, but where do you go? Where do you fit? Like in Brazil, even when I was growing up, you know, people fail the year in, right. in grade school. Yeah, yeah. You you you, you could fail kindergarten, you right? Know, first grade. <laughs> you don't pass the test, you stay back. Exactly. You right. Know? And uh, if so, my father, it just happens there was a a, a tutor in town that mm-hmm. my father worked with, mm-hmm. and in 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 a, in a I think in a few weeks, he was able to learn the whole material, took a test, and went right back where he shouldn't be. Wow. It just happened that this bath tutor later married my father's wife. So that tutor was my mother's uh, brother-in-law. Okay. So that's how it, it, it can get convoluted, and I'm <laughs> telling the story sometimes can be kind of crazy. Yeah. But, but so then my father wanted to play the flute. Okay. You remember, his sisters were quite a bit older than him, especially mm-hmm. the two oldest ones. Right. And they were already married. And my father wanted to play the flute. Mm-hmm. And, and the flute is not an instrument for a son of a farmer right. that is expecting your son to take over the farm with the years to come. Right. Especially in those times. Especially in those times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, an, another brother-in-law, Mm-hmm. of my father that was married to his sister mm-hmm. convinced my grandpa to let him study the flute. Okay. And and that's the way my father got involved in music. Wow. And then he went through high school 
And then in Brazil at the time, you finish high school, then you can take a big test, you, can, you become a teacher. You didn't okay. have to go to university to become a, a teacher. Right. And my father became a geom geometry professor. That's, okay. That was my, my father's, he's amazing in drawings and, and, and schematics and doing house plants and, and stuff. Math and stuff. Math and stuff, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's phenomenal there. But he also was playing the flute. Mm -hmm. And he would have to travel to Sao Paulo by train, which was a two or three hour of uh, train ride, train ride to, wow. to have his flute lessons. Mm -hmm. And he paid the flute lessons with eggs from the farm. <laughs> and the, the, that train, we're not talking about like the bullet train where, you know, everything is smooth, air conditioned. It was the train. He's protecting it, those eggs. He was train. carrying, carrying <laughs> up the, you know, in his hands for two, three hours until wow. no eggs to break. So that's how my father got in, in, in more and more deeply into music. Mm -hmm. Then there's a factory in my town that they produce cotton, cotton fabric for the company in Sao Paulo that produced wheat. Okay. So, but the factory in my hometown only produced the bags to put the wheat in. in. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and, the, and the owners of the factory wanted to create something for the kids of the workers in the farm. Mm -hmm. And they said, maybe we, we can get these kids to uh, play music, do a make a band. Right. And, and then somebody said, you know, there is a teacher in the high school that is a geometer who's a flute player. <laughs> He's very good. Let's approach him. Maybe he'll be interested in, in, in being the, the band director of the, uh, here. And so they talked to my dad. My dad loved the idea mm -hmm. and started going to the farm, to the, to the factory, mm -hmm. and, 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 and recruiting the kids. Wow. And, and the thing is that this farm, this, this, I keep saying farm, but it's the factory. Mm -hmm. It was a pretty big factory, but it had a very big like mansion next oh, wow. to the factory. Okay. That was the, that the owners of the factory in. owned it. Right, but right. they lived in Sao Paulo. And mm. then this house in this mansion had a swimming pool where all the kids <laughs> of the neighborhood would jump the wall to go swim in the swimming pool. <laughs> so then this kid is like, wow, the band is rehearsing over there in that mansion. Mm -hmm. And my father noticed that these kids, my, my father knew everything that was going on with mm -hmm. the kids. And, and the kids said, wow, if you can swim, we'll come play music. <laughs> and that's how the whole thing started. And, 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 and then in six months, the, the band played the first concert. Wow. With kids between age 8 and 12. Hmm. And, and, and then I told you about the conservatory. And the, the right. conservatory already existed. Mm -hmm. And even though the state of Sao Paulo is the richest state in Brazil, mm -hmm. even at that time, right. it, it had only one music conservatory in the star state that mm -hmm. was state-owned. Right. But at the conservatory at that time in my hometown was, I like to call more like a finishing school. Okay. It was a little more for the young ladies to learn the piano and learn to sing and, and, and flute. And, and at the same time, the band, the band of the factory was happening. Uh, the, the Secretary of State of Sao Paulo, the mm -hmm. cultural, cultural Secretary of State, wanted to say, this conservatory, we're spending this money. The, the actual director of the conservatory lives in Sao Paulo and is never there. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like a two, three-hour car ride. 
Oh, okay. From, yeah, from yeah. The, it's not like you jump in the car in 20 minutes you're at the conservatory in another town. Right. And and say, but we need to see either we're going to close the conservatory or we need to do something. Mm-hmm. So the secretary of culture sending two very prominent musicians from Sao Paulo okay. to go take a look at the conservatory in loco. So they went to my hometown. And they and what they saw is like yeah we should close this conservatory nothing really is happening over here right but they but people said in town because my father was really well known in town mm-hmm. I had to tell a side story after about my father <laughs> that uh, as a politician as okay. an 18 year old politician but right right right. Uh, <laughs> Maybe do you have enough time, Mark? We'll get there. <laughs> uh, so people in town said, well, you want to close the conservatory? You know, I don't know what's the problem, but, you know, there is this band at the factory that's an amazing band with kids. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should, I should visit there, the band. Right. So these two prominent musicians went to visit my father and his band. Mm-hmm. And they, on their report, they wrote to the Secretary of Culture of the State of Sao Paulo saying, the conservatory, if it's going to be the way it is, you might as well just close nothing. It's going to it's happening here. Or move the conservatory to the capital, to right, the city. Right, right, right. And, and, and Where there are more people. When there's more people mm-hmm. and it'll, maybe it'll be more interest. And they said, but we met this band director. This guy. This guy. <laughs> so this guy with an amazing band uh-huh. that taught all the music instruments to all of the students without ever having gone to a music school to teach, like music ed. Right. You know, he just got books. Mm-hmm. He would go crazy looking for books. And in Brazil, at, at that time, most of the musicians, professional musicians, were trained by Italians because the Italian operas in the turn of the 20th century were traveling operas okay. to, to, to Latin America. Mm-hmm. And musicians would come and then they would love the weather in Brazil, and they would end up staying and not going back to Italy. <laughs> you know, in, in, actually, in a side here, mm-hmm. one of these orchestras was playing in Rio de Janeiro an opera. The conductor got sick, mm-hmm. and then the, the concert was going, the opera was going to be canceled. They said, no, there's a cellist in the orchestra mm-hmm. that can conduct, nice. and that's Arturo Toscanini. Oh, so wow. Arturo Toscanini's career as a professional conductor started in the Cidade Maravilhosa, which is Rio de Janeiro. Wow. The song we just played this morning. Like, I had no idea. Yeah. That's amazing. That's where Toscanini started his professional conducting career. Wow. So it so always gets convoluted, these stories in Brazil, because I think they're fantastic for, especially I think for Americans that have very little information about those kind of things right. over here about this, because we're so... As everybody is so concentrated on their own thing, right? You no, know, I like to say everybody's it's only concerned with their own belly button. You know? <laughs> they're always looking at their own belly button. They're not preoccupied with anybody else's belly right. button. <laughs> That's awesome. So, they, to make a long story short about the conservatory, the secretary of culture called my dad, had a meeting with my dad, and they and hire my dad to be the vice director of the school because he couldn't put make my father the director mm-hmm. because there was somebody already receiving right. a salary to be a director. Yeah. And that's how my father started the conservatory. He accepted. And overnight, the conservatory had a band made out of 30, 40 young kids. Wow. And that conservatory grew to become a, the largest conservatory in Latin America. Mm. And uh, all... You know, I'm suspicious to say because it's my father, but amazing musicians 
came out of this conservatory to, to this day. You probably even know one pretty well-known horn player, Luis Garcia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He started horn at the conservatory. And I remember Luizinho, as we call him. <laughs> he was eight or nine years old. The horn was twice as big as he was. <laughs> Those pictures are so awesome when you see little kids with horns. Because yes. they're just like holding this giant steering wheel almost. <laughs> <laughs> and Luizinho was amazing very quickly. He... he you know, he is an amazing horn player. Yeah. An amazing horn player. You get and all he, over the instrument for yeah. sure. And, and it, it's beautiful. <laughs> right. And they, but he did that, Mark. It's amazing. As a nine-year-old kid starting to learn the horn. It That's was so natural cool. to him. That's awesome. And my father, you know, modest apart, <laughs> right. my father had something to do with it because Luizinho's father worked at the conservatory and it was a driver in the conservatory. I drove the car because my father had to go to the state to 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 visit with the secretary of culture basically weekly. Okay. So the conservatory had a car, a, a Volkswagen, uh, <laughs> what a bus. Okay. That's how my father traveled. You know those buses that there's nothing front. That's you. Right. You are. It's it's a windshield. The windshield and the road. you. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the kind of car you wow. were driving. And Luizinho's father said, Seu Coelho, you know, i like my kid to start learning an instrument. What do you think he should learn? Mm-hmm. He said, wow, put him on the horn. French horn is a great instrument, and if he likes it, it will be an amazing thing. And that's Luizinho's life became wow. after that, you know. That's, that's amazing. It is. Well, uh, <laughs> your father sounds like a, uh, a titan. Like, he's just like... <laughs> So amazing, and uh, like everything that he was able to accomplish. But let's let's turn him into a family man now, okay. because if he's not one, then we don't have you. That's right. Well, <laughs> so what's the story behind your parents and and your well, family? As I said, my father came from a farmer mm-hmm. family. Nobody played music. Right. My mother, on the other hand, came mm-hmm. from a family of civil servants. They work. My grandmother, my mother's mother, worked in the bank, mm-hmm. and my f- grandfather worked for the city okay. of Tatui. Mm-hmm. And and my grandfather played all of the instruments. He played double. Ba- His main instrument was double bass. Okay. But he played trombone, violin, and clarinet. And he was a musician in the silent movies. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he he. He he was the the musician in the family in my family. Right. From my grandparents is from my mother's side and of course my father. Right. But my mother never really learned a musical instrument. Okay. And and they they met. I'm not 100 percent sure of the story, mm-hmm. but <laughs> that's but, for a podcast you do with your your dad. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and um, and they they started dating and and they lived only about a few blocks away from each other and my father was very busy and as I said at that, that age you know I think they married they were twenty one or twenty two years old okay and yeah. and my father was as a, the parallel story is that when he was eighteen years old actually seventeen don't tell anybody mm-hmm. he ran as a city council in the city. Of my city, mm-hmm. and he actually got elected, <laughs> and it was a little bit illegal that he got elected because he wasn't eighteen. He's not eighteen yet, yeah, yeah, but yeah. by the time he took office, he was eighteen. Okay, so so he was cool by by that birthday. Actually. The box got checked. At the that box moment. got checked, <laughs> and as as you heard so far, my father has a tremendous personality, mm-hmm. and he was very active in the time in Brazil where po- politics was very complicated. 
Right. You know, in 1963, we had the revolution where the military took over, and we had, for 20-some years, we, we had the dictators. Oh, wow. You know, and so my father was a civilian politician during that time as a mm. young kid. Wow. Uh, I, you know, he was already getting married and, and, and having kids, you know. Right. But, but and, and then he, did, he thought he did such a great job in his <laughs> first term because the terms in Brazil, pol- political terms in Brazil are usually four years. Okay. Yeah. And I see here in, in Iowa, a lot of terms are only two years. Right. That you have to, every two yeah. years election. In Brazil, there are four years, and, and they're still to this date four-year terms. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he runs for a second term, and he said, I'm not going to campaign. Okay. I think I did such an amazing job for this city in these four years. All I'm going to do, I'm going to sit in the main square in front of the main church in town <laughs> with some little uh, little pieces of paper for his number, mm-hmm. his, his election number, mm-hmm. and did not campaign. Mm. And he got reelected. And was one of the most voted that. Uh, well. Politicians at the time, and but as I said just a few minutes ago, the political times in Brazil were tough. Yeah, I can imagine. So, 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 so they, my father was, you know, he was very vocal, and people didn't like that. Right. So, but my mother is, is the one that suffered a lot mm-hmm. because we. Uh, Things were thrown in my house, including like a, a homemade bomb was thrown in my, oh my house goodness. when my mother was pregnant with my her second child. Which is, I'm, I'm a third child, okay. and then there's a fourth one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then that from that moment, my mother said, either you're out or I'm out. Oh, wow. And then he quit politics wow. as, as running for office. Mm-hmm. He still was involved in the city politics with just, you know, Right, the, but not, not a pun, central a figure, right. you know. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, and so they met. They had four kids. I'm mm-hmm. the third one. Mm-hmm. Four boys, mm-hmm. and and we're all musicians. We're all professional musicians to this mm-hmm. date, and we all live in the United States. Well, yeah. so list off the the brothers here, because I've I I I'm unclear as to which brother does what. Okay. <laughs> so let's start with the oldest. Okay. The oldest is Carlos. Mm-hmm. Carlos is the oboist. Right. He's the one I've heard, I think, most about. Okay. Yes. Oh, um, Aside from you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder from who I know. I have right. an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, you've told me a lot about yourself. <laughs> uh, so, so, but he uh, uh, decided that he didn't want to perform. Okay. So he went in to become a luthier of oboe. Mm-hmm. Like he's an oboe repair person. Mm-hmm. And then he became an oboe business person selling oboes. And he, and to this date, he's probably one the, uh, business, uh, oboe business person that sells the most Loré oboes in the country. Wow. He sells, sells over 100 oboes a year. Mm-hmm. And, he, and now he lives in, in, in Texas, in mm-hmm. Dallas, Texas. And so that's, then comes Tadeu. Tadeu okay. is the flute player. Right. Tadeu is the flute player, and he is the flute professor at North Carolina School for the Arts. And you've recorded with him. I did one, uh, my very first CD, we require, recorded this Baquianas Brasileiras number six by Villa Lobos mm-hmm. that is written for flute and bassoon. So we record that. And people who listen to my on air show have heard that piece a few times. Oh, great. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for playing. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. So then there's you. Then there's me. Mm-hmm. And then there's Luis, who is one year younger. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the joke in the family goes, because he, he was born in the same day I was 
one year later. <laughs> and the story goes, the thing that I resented that my mother was not present on my first birthday. <laughs> she was making the cake, my first birthday cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had to be rushed to the hospital to right. have my brother. Right. So she wasn't there. Right. And my cake was finished by, by, by my grandmother. Okay. So that's the, you know, the, the joke in the family. And then he, you have to share your birthday now, too. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's my gift. Yeah, to him. <laughs> so he, he's a clarinet player. Mm-hmm. And he is a band director and also teaching community colleges out in California. Oh, that's near, really great. Near, near Sacramento, yeah. So um, talk to me a little bit about your uh, introduction to the bassoon. Let's get you into, I'm imagining that you took part in your father's conservatory. And uh, from there, tell us the story about you as a bassoonist. Sure, as, you know, uh, as we speak, speaking, talking just before I start recording here, I'm a firm believer that every single individual in this earth mm-hmm. If they have a story that's well told, it will mm-hmm. be an amazing story. So right. I think every human being has an amazing story. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and I think that I have a pretty amazing story life right. too. You know, I, I, I put myself in that same category. Yeah, yeah. And so I started music at the conservatory. I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I started the recorder. Okay. Playing the recorder. And I played for two years. So when I was 10 years old, uh, it was time to move on from the recorder. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, Mark, I am a very shy person. I can't believe it, but uh, well, tell I, me more. I I was <laughs> a very very shy person, uh-huh. and I would, the instrument I wanted to learn was guitar, okay, classical guitar, mm-hmm. because I I fell in love looking at the guitar, and you're embraced to one thing, like it's like a teddy bear. That's your teddy bear. Right. So, and, I, and to me, I had this idea that was a very comfortable place for me to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my grandfather, my mother's grandfather, my mother's father, the musician, he was very, very funny. Mm-hmm. And he put nicknames on everybody. And my nickname was the philosopher. <laughs> and the only reason I was the philosopher because even family gatherings, I was the one staying kind of on the side mm-hmm. and just observing everything. Right. I was the quiet one, mm-hmm. the, the shy one. Mm-hmm. And so I was, oh, I'm, I'm the philosopher, according <laughs> to my grandpa. And uh, I don't and, disagree with him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> so I wanted to play the guitar, but you know, I had two other brothers. Mm-hmm. They were playing oboe and flute. Right. My father is a, was a orchestra band conductor, mm-hmm. flute player. Mm-hmm. And my brothers especially told said, "No, no, you can't play guitar. You have to play either a band instrument or an orchestra instrument." Okay. And then it's like, "I don't know what I want to play the guitar." But no, you're not going to play the guitar. You're going to have to choose something else. So I was kind of forced into pick something else. Mm-hmm. And and then I remember, see, I had two first cousins playing bassoon there older cousins mm-hmm. that I, I loved right. that were playing bassoon. I said, okay, I'll play bassoon. Okay, great. You're going to play bassoon. Remember, I was 10 years old. I registered for bassoon lessons. I went for my very first bassoon lesson at the conservatory. And the teachers at the conservatory were musicians from the, the city of Sao Paulo. They mm-hmm. would travel once a week to Tatuí to teach. They were musicians in the f- municipal theater orchestra. Okay. And the bassoon professor, it was from he was from Austria. Okay. And he, he I got into the room and said, I'm here for my bassoon lesson. He said, No, you're not, because you're not gonna learn bassoon. 
And I said, why not? You're too small. Bassoon, you have to be at least 14 years old to start learning the bassoon. Mm-hmm. I was devastated, I went home. My father got home after working and I was pretty sad. Right, and and I told my dad, and my dad said, "Don't worry, go back next week. <laughs> I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him." <laughs> he, the teacher didn't really know I was the son of the director. Right, but so that sounds like playing favoritism, and then I have to correct that mm-hmm. because my father, Mark, as you heard about, he's creating the band. Any child that came to the conservatory said, I want to play the piano. It didn't have arms. He said, let's figure out how you can learn the piano. Right. Of course, I'm t- this story is not real. It's mm-hmm. this, uh, but there were p- children that had autism, that had physical disabilities, that mm-hmm. wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And the teachers would say, we can't teach these kids. Said, figure out. My yeah. father said, figure out that kid deserves so, but the musicalizations class, he can't speak. Don't worry, next year he'll do the same class again. It's mm-hmm. okay. Right. He just, needs to need the environment. Right. Being in music is not just about becoming a polished performer. It's exactly. about being inside of music. It's about being around others, participation. Yeah. Correct. That's fantastic. And 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 then and so my father said, "Don't worry, I'm gonna talk to him." And so I went, I went back. My he came on Tuesdays for some reason. I remember Tuesdays. It was mm-hmm. the last, the day the bassoon last, the day that the teacher was there, mm-hmm. and uh, I went. And then he is like, he's very thick Austrian accent. Okay, you wanna play the bassoon? It's okay, but you're only gonna be able to observe the other bassoon students' lessons first. Okay, you're not gonna get the instrument because you're too small. Mm-hmm. And I said, fine. The thing is, my two cousins were playing bassoon. <laughs> So like in, in Brazil, my school was from 7 a.m. to 12 noon. Okay. I had the entire afternoon. So I went to, to the conservatory. I hang out at the conservatory from after lunch until dark. Mm-hmm. And I was there hanging out with my friends and hanging out with my cousins. Mm-hmm. And they would give me their bassoon mm-hmm. to, to just play and fool around. And mm-hmm. I would show up to the lessons. They had a read class. And there was one read that didn't work for anybody. Mm-hmm. And they were going to throw it out in the garbage. And they, another bassoon said, no, let's give that read to Ben. <laughs> let's give it to Little Ben. <laughs> the little Ben, exactly. <laughs> and that was my first read. And, and that's one of the biggest regrets I have in my life as a musician, that I still don't have that read. Uh-huh. I, I was about to try it. to tell people you're still playing it on it today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, uh, I was 10 years old. And I'll be 60 this July. Wow. And then in January, when I'm 16 and a half, it'll be 50 years that I played the bassoon. That's amazing. So it is, it is a, a landmark yeah. that I've been playing bassoons for 50 years. So talk a little bit about, um, I think it's a, it's a pleasure of mine to be able to uh, be in the Quad City Symphony with people like you and uh. To see you and our second bassoonist, Matt Kowalczyk, talk uh, about bassoon stuff. Like, uh, y'all love bassoon. So <laughs> tell me about the love story of bassoon. Like, when did you fall in love with it? And what was it about it that uh, so, that hooked you? That's a fantastic st- fantastic question, Mark. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, because I was forgetting a big, important part of my life. I did mention that I was a very shy person. Yes. But for some reason... I was given the gift that when I had the bassoon in my mouth, 
I was no longer shy. Mm. So that's my relationship with the bassoon, is when I was able to speak what I think through the bassoon very openly. Mm -hmm. So I had a big sound right away. I played out mm -hmm. just because I was my, my scapegoat, I guess, my right. vent part right. is yep. the bassoon. Yeah. Although I had to work in therapy, work out in therapy that I know I can't just be that. <laughs> so I had to have some right. therapy to say, no, you can be that without the bassoon. Right. <laughs> and I am still working on that, I suppose. But you yeah. know, I, I, I consider myself a very fun loving person as you know mm -hmm. i'm always fooling around and and that's like a, a thing that's uh cool about the quad city symphony is we somehow find big personalities with big sounds to sit in these principal chairs so right in a line you have andrew parker right you and then me right exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's as a uh it's a talkative and loud woodwind and we sure are and, and we get away with a lot of things no yeah. uh mark russell smith really loves us because, he does. because he puts up with a lot of crap <laughs> yeah, <he> does. <laughs> i don't know i use a word that may be not appropriate in the podcast <laughs> but, yeah we we do get a lot away with a lot of stuff <laughs> so um at that time, you know, it, it's seeming to have like unlocked something within you that uh, you found, uh, you know, exciting. And I'm sure finding that voice uh, brought you some level of pleasure mm -hmm. in your life. Um, did you then immediately think like, I just I have to do this forever? Or was it like, this is just part of my life and I have other interests? Well, again, another excellent question. See, Mark, at the conservatory, even though we had students they were never going to be professional musicians mm -hmm. but but the majority of the students that were there their goal in life was to become or to become professional musicians right. See? Mm -hmm. uh one thing that happens in latin america all over latin america and for sure in brazil in my hometown that learning a musical instrument is a way out of poverty mm. like for the for example the conservatory gave scholarships the conservatory is free, right? But still, students in need had scholarships, just the money to use for whatever they want to use, right? And 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 they got enough money that sometimes it was almost the same salary their parents were making. Wow! The scholarship it was that generous mm -hmm. for, you know, we're talking about a hundred dollars a month, right? Because the minimum wage in Brazil at the time was less than a hundred dollars a month. Mm -hmm. So very little money can go really far away. Right. So a lot of underprivileged kids in Brazil that go into music are to try to get out of that poverty. Right. You know, I, I I was born privileged. Mm -hmm. I was in, you know very privileged, and I, I and I say that with no shame mm -hmm. uh, that I had I had my family mm -hmm. that if I I would never needed a scholarship. Right. Right, that kind of scholarship, but to have something within your community that can can help, right, in that way is right. is inspiring. I'm sure. Uh, you know, and it's the thing is like you know here and I, I I teach at the University of Iowa, and you see all the discussions about you know diversity, equity, and uh, inclusion, mm -hmm. and there's so much talk about that, and I think it's very very important. I'm a big advocate for all of this, but. We don't talk much that much in music, classical music in Brazil, right. about this because the majority of the people 
are people of color, yeah. that are musicians. Right. You know, and, and people what's people of color? In Brazil, the, the, the mix of races and the color, the skin color of people are from the whites to the whites to the blacks to the blacks and everything else in between. Mm -hmm. So and and we have, you know, it's a word that is it, it is an English word and it's a Portuguese word that I hope that I'm trying to talk more and more about the word ludic. Mm -hmm. It's being spontaneous. Right. You know, you use a, in Brazil, we use a lot of that word ludic to refer to young kids mm -hmm. because that's all they do. Right. Young kids, they see something wrong, they go reach out to, 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 mm -hmm. to help. That's right. being ludic. It's right. a nature, a spontaneous thing that is nature of human beings. Right. Then we, we grow up to become kind of... Insulated. Insulated and yeah. mean. Right. And we're, we're corrupted mm -hmm. where we lose that sense. Right. So I'm trying to use more and more the, the word ludic mm -hmm. in this country because that word that is not used very much here. Right. You know, you it, see a need and you feel a need to help. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe or even just do things in uh, like play the bassoon, just, just play. Right. Improvise, do something, yeah. you know, enjoy. Right. Don't have to worry about is it in tune, is it out of tune, is it in rhythm, is it out of rhythm. Right. You know, not of this st stiff structure right. that, you know, classical music is known for being, you know, elitist. Right. But in a lot of places in Latin America, the orchestras are, are people that don't come from elit elitism. Wow. You know, and, uh, and that's very different than here. Mm -hmm. I was just teaching in a music festival in Brazil in January. Mm -hmm. This past January for two weeks. It's a festival that go year to year. And of course, because of COVID for two years, it didn't happen. So it was back again this year. Right. And I had six students in the bassoon studio mm -hmm. uh, of the festival. It was only one white kid. Mm -hmm. Everybody else was brown or black. Mm -hmm. And and that was that's the, the norm. Right and this, and if that was like my class at I would be oh my god I the band has the most amazing diverse studio mm -hmm. you know and uh, so that relationship with music classical music in Brazil is different than here right here I see that uh, you, in Brazil you have to go to a conservatory you have to go to a, a, a music school to learn the instrument mm -hmm. so it takes that action. Right. In this country, it's just there. Oh, we have band. You're in fifth grade. Do you like try band? Mm -hmm. Oh, that sounds like maybe a good idea. Mm -hmm. And then you try band. Right. But it's not like the kid coming with the idea of doing band. It's just there for you to see and maybe get excited about music. Right. And then there's great musicians that comes out of that, mm -hmm. of course. Wow. And there's a lot of people that will never become a professional musician, and that's okay. Right. You know. And, Absolutely. Yeah. So let's let's move forward a little bit in your story to uh, you left Brazil at some point. What was behind that, and uh, what was that path? What did it look like in front of you? Sure, Th that path goes back again. Go back to my dad. See, mm -hmm. this conservatory in Brazil, and all conservatories in Brazil are considered uh, uh, secondary level. Okay. Not university level. Right. The uh, the Brazilian universities had music, but they had the music mostly for composition in, in musicology. Okay. In music theory. Like the academic. The academic thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now it has changed. Right. So my my father had the idea that that he wanted to make the conservatory university level, mm -hmm. but he knew that he wouldn't have people trained enough to go to that level. 
Mm-hmm. And and so he was very much in, incentive in getting students from the conservatory to go study abroad. Mm-hmm. And and then that's what he did with us. So first, uh, my older brothers came to the United States and they went, it's, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but to make it a little bit shorter, the, <laughs> the story, uh, they were both the flute, the oboe player, Carlos and Tadeo, the flute player, were studying at State University of New York at Purchase, mm-hmm. which is about 30 miles north of New York City. Right. And the, the, why that school was because Tadeo was at Tanglewood okay. one summer when he was still looking to get into the university. Mm-hmm. And which is weird. He went to Tanglewood to get into university. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like Tanglewood is like one of the best music festivals exactly. for up and coming musicians right, exactly. in the world. <laughs> so he was there and then he wanted to come and then the, the this New York oboe player used to come to Brazil every year for a, a music festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then my father asked him, Tadeu, the flute player, is at, at this festival. Tadeu is ready to go to university. Where should he go? And then the, this oboe player, Henry Schumann, said, well, I know that the composer, Ehudi Weiner, is on faculty at Tanglewood, and he's the dean of SUNY Purchase okay. for the music school. Mm-hmm. Tell Tadeo to go play for, for, for yeah. Yudi, yeah, yeah. and 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 said, and who teaches flute at SUNY Purchase is probably one of the best flute professors in the country. His name is Thomas Nyfinger. Mm-hmm. And then Tadeo played for Yudi and said, "Yes, you're in. When you wanna come?" Mm-hmm. And then Tadeo went. And, and then Carlos was studying in New York City with Henry Schumann. Okay. But they, for Tadeo to be able to come to the United States financially, Carlos had received a scholarship from the German government oh, to wow. go to Germany. So my brother went to, left the Manhattan School of Music, mm-hmm. went to Germany for a year because of the German scholarship. That they they had given money. <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. So they would free up the money to send Tadeo to the States. Okay. And then Carlos went to Germany for a year, and he did not like it. So mm-hmm. he, after one year, he came back, and then he went to Sony Purchase. Okay. So then it's my time to go to, to university. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Of course, Sony Purchase. <laughs> the only school in the States. The only school in the States. <laughs> and, and then this music festival, my youngest brother, Luis, mm-hmm. first went to University of Washington in Seattle. Okay. Because... The clarinet teacher at this festival in Brazil was the teacher at, oh, yeah. in Seattle. Uh-huh. But Luis went there, and then he felt too lonely over there, and then he did what? He went to SUNY Purchase. Yeah. <laughs> but, but by that time... The whole time, team is there. The whole team. But that time, <laughs> Carlos and Tadeu had graduated. Okay. And a funny side story here, that when Tadeu went to SUNY Purchase to make money, at least money for food, he got a job working at the library. Mm-hmm. And then Carlos came, got a job at the library. <laughs> then Ben comes, he got a the job, job at the library. At the library. <laughs> and then Luis comes, gets a job at the library. Yeah. You know, uh, and then I think for eight years straight, there was a Coelho brother working at the, the library. library. Then when Luis graduated, they create a plaque in homage to the Coelho family. At dedication to work at the library, so they I went. So I went to Sony Purchase. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure by 
by uh, by the time you got there, they'd actually figured out how to say the name right and everything. <laughs> no, they did. No, they <laughs> and actually, the the funniest, my funny story is I went to SUNY Purchase. See, the school year in Brazil is like is the calendar year. Mm-hmm. Uh, school year in the states is not the calendar year. Start right. school year starts in August September. Mm-hmm. So I graduated in December of AD, mm-hmm. and did not speak one word in English, and I was planning to go to SUNY Purchase, of course. Right, That's right, right. Right. Everybody goes. <laughs> uh, but I had six months to learn English before oh coming goodness. to the States. Uh-huh. But my brother said, you graduated high school, we need bassoonists here at SUNY Purchase, you coming now. <laughs> so I graduated in high school like December 15th, mm-hmm. and then a month later, I was in an airplane to New York, didn't speak one word in English, Went the, the SUNY person sent me my papers to get a visa. Carlos and I went to the consulate in Sao Paulo. They called us, they called me, and Carlos came with me. And, and there was being an interview happening. Mm-hmm. And the guy behind the, the window there was so nice. And Carlos was blabbering. I was just like smiling, listening. I, I had no idea what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they said, No, no, I'm not Benjamin. He's Benjamin. <laughs> and then the guy said, please go back to the waiting room. And then he started talking to me in English. Oh boy. And I could not answer one question <laughs> until he said like this so many times, who is your favorite composer? <laughs> and the word composer, I said, composer, oh, Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, speak English. <laughs> and then he was not going to give me the visa to come. Mm-hmm. And then Carlos talked to him, saying, well, he's going to go to SUNY Purchase. He's going to enroll only music classes and English classes. Mm-hmm. And then the guy, God bless his heart, gave me the visa to come. Wow. And another story about that, I was sitting in the music office, and the, the director of the missions of SUNY Purchase happens to be a tuba player. Mm-hmm. And he, the day I arrived at the music school for the first time ever, he was there in the music school. He was not in his office at the admissions office. Mm-hmm. And he comes and he starts talking to me, and I'm just smiling like everything <laughs> is dandy. And then he looks at my brother and looks seems like he doesn't understand one word and say, oh, yeah, no, it's jet lag. <laughs> <laughs> jet lag. Like, and, how long can we make it so that nobody knows that Ben doesn't, doesn't know English? English? Exactly. <laughs> And then, of course, more and more things happened right. about that. They, and, and the funny part of this that they had the English as a second language in the, in, the, in, the school, in the school, but it only started the advanced level. Mm-hmm. And so I enrolled in the class because I had to enroll in that class. I went to my first week of classes, and the teacher refused to accept me in the class because I was a total beginner, and she was not going to let a beginner be in her class. Wow. And I, I was kicked out again, just mm-hmm. like when I was a, wanted to be a bassoon right. at eight years right. old. And then, of course, my brothers went to talk to the dean of the school, and, and they figured out, so we need Ben as a bassoonist more than Ben needs us. Mm-hmm. So he's staying. Wow. And then, that's how my life. And everybody, all of my colleagues said, oh, Ben was such a nice guy until he learned English. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> Thank you for having me in your podcast. I really appreciate you. You know how much I appreciate your musicianship. But also, we have had several conversations over the years, and you are on the 
most incredible idea man that I know. Oh man. And so you nice. are ludic. Your ideas are ludic. So well, just tying it together I appreciate to that. that. Thank you so much for tuning in to Because Every Week. If you've not already done so, please take a minute to subscribe. We'd love to grow our subscriber base for the show. But also, you're going to want to subscribe because next week you get part two of Benjamin Coelho's story. So follow us on your podcast player of choice, like WVIKQC on Instagram and Facebook. I'd really appreciate it.